Talkie Talk, the podcast for the TheMediaBias.com. I'm TJ, joined today by Chris. Hello. As always. And our second guest, first time guest, for Kelly. Hi. We've talked about Kelly before on the podcast. She's a friend of the cast and uh, sees almost everything we do, pretty much. Yeah. She so. has lived through it. You're going to hear some, some dog collar jingle. This is, uh, once again... <laughs> That's Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we let her off leash. Um, no, but we're uh, still recording at my house. You know, there's, we've got stuff going on with Brent and David, so we're uh, trying to keep the wheels rolling on this train. So, yeah, we're pretty much just going to watch this. We've all three seen a bunch of stuff, the same stuff. Uh, finally watched The Challenge this season. Yeah. Almost called up. I'm going to have y'all film me in on the latest episode. I never didn't catch it today. But, uh, yeah, so we'll talk Challenge Survivor, I guess. Yeah, we can talk. I don't really remember that Not much. Not a lot happened in the Survivor still. It's still pre-merge, which is yeah. weird. They did, a, they did a tribe swap and they introduced a third tribe, which is always fun when they do that. But it's also like the most confusing because people are talking about alliances and first Malolo, second Malolo, third Malolo, or new tribe. And it's like, I just don't give a shit. Are y'all annoyed at all by alliances that work well? Does yeah. that make sense? It's boring television. Yeah. It really frustrates me sometimes. That's that's why I like the third tribe, because it's 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 designed to like kinda help mix it up. It just didn't have that effect. Yeah, I was trying to decide if like dropping the buffs is a good idea ever. Because hmm. then So when they dropped the buffs before it was six from one original tribe and four from the other original tribe. So you were almost guaranteed to have the numbers. One tribe have like a major majority and one of the two new tribes. Yeah. I don't know. It felt less like organic and more like show created. And those people got sent home like at no fault of their own. You know what I mean? Right. Well, they also didn't do Redemption Island. I mean, not Redemption, Ghost Island. Which is, this is the first episode they haven't done a Ghost Island since they've been doing it. Which is weird because if you do Ghost Island, that could help even the numbers. Yeah. They also haven't done the Ghost Island where you go before the vote. They've been doing it before the reward challenge. They did change it. Yeah, they're trying to fix something, I think. Yeah. Or what, necessarily. But yeah, they did. Um, I think what Kelly's talking about. Originally, they would go to Ghost Island for the vote. And like two or three episodes ago, they stopped doing that. Yeah, and then they it had... It couldn't be eliminated. <clears throat> they had a Big Teeth come back before. Because like, Donathan and Jared, was that his name? The first of you who went to Ghost Island... They left after the reward challenge and didn't come back until after Tribal Council. Oh, right. And, yeah, and they just didn't do that the what last couple. What was their they, they, they couldn't. The they also couldn't vote. Yeah. Oh. So they couldn't be eliminated, but they, but they, could, they didn't have a vote in the... In the next one, I in, guess, because they weren't there. They so were, it was, they were neutral. They couldn't put a vote into the Tribal Council, but they also couldn't be eliminated. Yeah, I don't think they had, like, an additional penalty... Right, I'm just saying they're, you miss bonding. They time. weren't there for tribal though. They weren't at yeah. tribal. Yeah. They were at Ghost Island. Right. So were they taking their would they have taken their vote away from the next time they were at tribal? Is what I'm asking. N- no, they lose their vote by not being there. That's the losing the vote. I'm talking about when they had to play the game and it was like pick one, you oh, an advantage if you pick right. right yes. Or if you pick wrong, they yes. take your vote away. They would have lost their vote. Uh, their addition, the, the next time uh, they were sitting at tribal. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. Because if they would have lost their vote for that current tribal, they wouldn't have been there. So, like, what's a big deal? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, is that the only game they're going to play on Ghost Island? Because if it is, that's fucking boring. The, we're going to, you're going to have a 50% chance of getting a super cool callback advantage, or you're not going to be able to vote. Because, like, that's so risky to ever t- play the game. 
that when Big T did it, it made total sense for her to be like, yeah, I'm not going to play the game. I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. Big T. But she's got Big T. Yeah, I think you're talking about. It doesn't matter then. Yeah. Because then Ghost Island's just like, okay, so I have to go be by myself for a day, which is impactful, but... Also nice, those annoying-ass people. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's fine. It'll get better. It always does. Mm. Um, I am looking forward to the merge. The merge is when the show gets really good. It's a different show. Yeah. That's when Kelly starts really paying attention. Not that she's not paying attention. I start paying attention. But that's when you really start paying attention. The best part of the show now is the, like, close-up... Close-ups of animals and random, just like, scenes from the beach. You don't actually think that's true, because it's all spiders. Sometimes crabs. <laughs> okay. Snakes. There's a snake last, last episode. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> See snakes. Not, not okay. Yeah, but so we won't talk about Survivor, because it's been boring. <laughs> <laughs> but we can segue onward from reality to reality. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked to y'all haven't really talked about the challenge, because we've been sans David. Do you have anybody to... Talk to him about it. Yeah. One reason I picked it up is I felt bad. Yeah, it's, it's funny that, that the week you choose to pick it up is a week that there's someone I can talk to the challenge about anyway. But, All right. Uh, but yeah, it's good. I like... It's a fun show. Like, it's... It is fun. It, I mean, it does give me that same level of frustration that I thought I would have from watching something like It or Are You The One. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, why won't these idiots just be normal? The funniest fucking thing, though... Aside from my favorite quote, I said to Kelly, just, I don't know how to breathe underwater. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Human. Um, was the guy being able to just like tell the house, be like, Johnny Bananas fucking that girl. Yeah. And then everybody's just like, fact. Yeah. <laughs> this is truth. And it's just like, oh, and like, I was wondering why Johnny wasn't defending it at all. Well. And then I think he realized, like, doesn't matter now, too late. Yeah. Like, as soon as it's said, the it's fucking is done. done. Yeah. And you can tell he's he's the only person on that show, I think, that would play well at, like, a Survivor show. Yeah. He reads people really well. Then that's why he's on Big Brother. Yeah. He's on Celebrity Big Brother right now. Okay. Because he, like, he understands his big, like, his big, like, joke saying is stir the pot, because that's what he was known for. Just, like, you know, even things he wasn't involved in, he would just, like, get in and just, like, start rumors, like, like the notes that he had his, like, ex, <laughs> sister. his sister write. Like, that's just like, that's just like stir the pot. Yeah. Um, and he does that because, not just because he wants people to be, like, on tilt, but because he wants to be able to, like, read people and, like, watch people who are willing to break alliances immediately yeah. for something so trifling. Um, but, yeah, Bananas is the best player. Yeah. Which is bad for him because he does get targeted really quickly. He's the best overall player. Yeah. He made it a while this season. He made it. Yeah. Um, he's a challenge horse too. Yeah, especially for being like older than everybody else. Yeah, about uh, the years. Well, if you like Johnny Bananas, I do suggest that you watch the YouTube video of CT and his elimination, where CT literally wears him like a backpack. Uh, it is nice. one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a physical competition. Yeah, it's the two of them are harnessed together at the back, and it's like you have to walk and like through a goal on either side. Uh, and, or, like, just make it through the goal on the other side. And, like, everyone else is, like, wrestling. It's a fight. They're flipping. And CT just, like, stands up. And, like, Terminator walks out <laughs> with Johnny, like, flailing on his back. Nice. It's great. I did watch, like, a YouTube video. It was, like, top ten challenge moments ever. Yeah. And uh, number one was, I think it was X's that mm. season. Where you were paired with a, another a person of opposite gender. Yeah. 
the whole time. And at the end, they threw in the wrinkle. You could, like, whoever had the most points in the final challenge could take all the money or share it. Yep. Johnny, Johnny was like, I'm taking it all. Yeah. And the girl, like, broke down. Yeah. She has not been back on a challenge and refuses to come back. Really? She, she might she, be coming back next season. They, It's rumored. She's yeah. not sure. But she was so scarred from that experience because they took, like, over $150,000 from her. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just under three hundred grand. Yeah, that was Rivals 3. That was It's such a savage moment, too, because it's like... You, the other two people didn't. They split it. Yeah, That's what makes it so much yes, Devin and his Devin split it with his partner. Forget who got second place, but they split it with their partner. And, and TJ asked Johnny, Johnny, he's just like, sorry, Sarah. Like, I'm going to take it. Yeah. But, like, Sarah had two episodes, or the episode before the move, um, which is, like, when the finals starts, pretty much, she had just sent him into elimination, like, allowed him to go into elimination to uh, get, like, you know, knocked out, and had, like, double-crossed him. So there was already, like, a lot of infighting. Yeah. So it wasn't outside the realm of possibility. There's, there's bad blood there. But it was still, I mean, yeah, it's, that's, it was rivals. So, like, they had had bad blood from, like, multiple seasons together. Right. We um, can't say bad blood, though, because that's another season. That's, that's <laughs> nice. a real world. It's real world bad blood. Yes. But <clears throat> don't want to get it too confused. Yeah. But, I mean, the challenge, it really hasn't been that... The only thing that's been interesting about the challenge is stuff that I think requires knowledge of previous seasons. So it's not that exciting to talk about with just you and Brent. Because, like, I think one of the biggest things is how good Tony's been. Because Tony, the last, like, yeah. four seasons... Yeah, right bananas. Yeah. He and, he and Devin did... Like, with less Devin, but, like... Well, Devin's you know, always going to come for, for Yeah, so, like, Devin actually beat him, but Tony, like, made it. Tony's the reason he got into the... Elimination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, Tony, the last, like, three seasons has basically been eliminated, or been kicked off the show for fighting with men or women, like, physically fighting with men or women, because he would get too drunk. But his whole story is, like, oh, I've got babies at home, like, I need to support them. And then he'd come on the show, get drunk, and, like, push a woman. Yeah, he seems really... Well, I like Tony Fon, I guess. He's another one I like. And he's one that a lot of fans have a hard time stomaching. And he's just playing really well. Physically, he's not, like, playing with his, like, emotions where he's, like, overvaluing friendships for, like, strategic moves. Um, and he's voting in the right people. Any Anyone who he's helped vote in from the Troika has been eliminated. So that's, like... He's been physically strong. Yeah. He's played a near-perfect game. And that is surprising coming from the drunk who get kicked off by like episode four. Hmm. It's nice. It's a nice redemption for him too because he would come on and say every season, "I have a, I have kids now, and I'm going to really focus on getting my stuff together." And then he would do it again where he would get super blitzed right. and mess up again. Yeah. So it was one of those things where he actually finally stuck to his his goals of playing the game like a competitor and not yeah, someone who was there to have fun. That's fun. Like, I enjoyed not watching the old seasons and y'all being veterans of the show because I'll say shit like, I fucking hate Devin, he's annoying as shit. And Kelly will be like, this is like by far the best he's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. And he's it's, still annoying as shit. He's, he's also annoying. a I told her, I, I hate woohoo people. Yeah. <laughs> he's just one of those guys. But like, I like Tony a lot because he never fucking doesn't say annoying shit. Yeah. And uh, I liked Joss before he got kicked off. Yeah. he didn't do anything Yeah, he annoying. was inoffensive. Um, I do want all three of those fucking girls gone super quick. I got like mad at that episode. Oh, the bully girls. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, bully, like clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and that was when we recorded the first time in the office. I was like, for some reason, they're focusing on bullying now of all times. They've been yeah, encouraging bullying right. 
for the entire show. Well, another thing with that is on her season of her show, I don't remember if it was X on the Beach or Jordy Shore, the girl that was bullied, Kaylee, she was apparently a major bully on her show. So it's kind of like, why are you choosing to, to make this narrative about her not being bullied when she was a huge bully? Yeah. Like super mean to people and make people leave the show. So it just, it seems like a weird message I don't know. Her. I mean, it is. I mean, I don't know what she had done before. It is bullying on that show. I feel like is expected. It pretty much happens every episode, especially when you're like, you gotta kick people off the show. I mean, right. it can be seen as bullying. Yeah, you have to get together. But like, I'm with her, out. man. I would have left if they like grabbed on my shit and threw it off the balcony. I'd have been like, that's a little scary. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially like, some crazy women. I mean, not the no women over men, but like all three of them in that room. I'd be like, I'm not gonna make it there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's more catty. The, the guys will just fight and get kicked off. <laughs> That'll be it for yeah, their right. for their bullying. They they fight and then it's over. Like yeah, like idiot Nelson is another one of those guys. He always survives longer than Tony, but he always gets like a big head and a big ego because that's who he is. He's a big ego and that's it. He's useless otherwise. He always thinks he has things figured out. But then he'll get drunk and someone will be like, "You've been riding someone's coattails," and he'll try and fight someone. And it's like, okay, well. Like you're you're gonna jump on the next season and like his vendetta isn't anyone who he's tried to fight before. Because like right. no one gives a shit. Like if you get drunk and try and fight someone, it's like, alright, well, you're you're a moron because you just blew like fucking two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah. Or like whatever the purse is for first. Like But yeah. That's why I end up liking the what's her name? The the Staten Island girl. Like Nicole Z. Yeah. Cause her and then there's two girls that look exactly alike. One of them's got Blue with the ends of her hair, and she was one of the ones bullying her. Kayla. And there's another one who looks just like her, but doesn't have the blue. Uh, Brittany? No. She was the one who was like, what happened? And they were like, we threw her to oh, the thing. she was like, really? Uh, like, Melissa's blonde. That. Sorry, I'm, I was thinking of... Uh, it may not be hair. I mean, Natalie. they look the same here. Okay. Face. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, they, they were the two girls that were like, how can fucking do this? No. Yeah. Like, they're just... This is ridiculous. Kayla's just so strong at, like, physical competitions, but she doesn't need to be doing that shit to do well. Especially like, for her size, because she's tiny. You don't get caught up in that yeah. bullshit. I mean, it's it's the same kind of thing, like, a lot I mean, of girls. I mean, from fucking Devin being a tard. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's, the, it's the reality TV show thing that I think everyone forgets is the mental toll that it takes, because they literally have no contact with anyone else except for people in the house. Producers. For, yeah. And producers for eight weeks. There's no cell phones. There's no... Right. I think they get, like, a phone call a week. Right. And, like, that's it. And they heavily encourage them to drink. Right. They are, they are yeah. pumped full of booze. I think less so than on the actual real-world seasons where they're not in the challenge. Right. The non-athletic competition one. But the but bar the, night, I don't think, is a choice. I think everyone has to go yeah. to the bar after... Um, after someone gets voted yeah, out. Yeah, you'll hear them say things that make that <clears throat> evident when they'll be like, I'm going to have my one drink and I'm going to... Yeah. That's, that's, that was what Tony was big on like the first couple episodes. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to have my one drink and I'm going to take it easy. Yeah. And it's like, fucking awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. If, if that can be his story for the rest of it, then great. But if you can get over the annoyingness of some of those people, the uh, it's highly fucking entertaining. And the challenges are like way better than the challenges on Survivor. They're crazy. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're way wilder, which I like. Um, and sometimes when you get like the first one was the the soccer. The, oh my god! <laughs> I couldn't. It was like a fucking car crash. I was like, oh no, no. And they're like, okay, we're gonna take the goalies out. <laughs> Just literally pass it to the goal. Yeah. 
I think Chris said if his legs were cut off, he could have done a better job. Yeah, some of those people were just <clears throat> yeah useless. Yeah, it was pretty sad. And the grenades are oh <laughs> yeah, I forgot the thing I hate the most is fucking TJ Lavin from the first episode. I was like, why is this guy hosting anything on TV? And then like six episodes in, I'm like, oh, he's just canceling out all the fucking loud, crazy talkers on the show. Yeah. It's nice that everyone will be like, all right, today we're going to kick this pallet or carry it over there. There's a catch. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks for that yell. <laughs> Toasted that for a while now, now, yeah. At least a decade. It's yeah, been a long was, time. I think, it was, oh, I think he hosted Johnny. He hosted the challenge Johnny Bananas first year on Real World, which is like a six or something. Yeah. So not any of the real world versus road rules stuff. But when no, it, and a couple of those didn't have host. Right. It was like you road rules style. Instructions, yeah. They just did it. Yeah. I liked that format too. I wish I wish they would do something. I the wish they would shows, do more. That's the only one I watched. It was like the second one. It was a, They drove from like Charleston to LA and did shit on the way. Those they would just like leave them there? Yeah. <laughs> leave them was, wherever they were eliminated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a team first team, so yeah. nobody ever went. You're thinking of of uh, the Love Bus, the Rock of Love Bus. No, no, they did that too. That was VH1, though. Yeah, that's VH1. And this was like uh, a cast from Road Rules, and at first a cast from Road Rules. Yeah. they were all on it the whole time. Okay. That, that's why when Brad talks about like, oh, I was in finals and I won the challenge before. Brad was Brad has won money on the challenge during those seasons where like, yeah, you made the finals because you just made it past. Like the first couple episodes where they do, because they do cut people in the first few episodes. Okay. Um, but like, you're in the finals because you're in like the 12 people who are still on the show, and you have a 50 50 shot of winning money. Right. So, like, that's not as impressive as like Bananas, who's won six yeah. and been to 10 finals. I think, it's, I think CT is more impressive. Just under 700 grand for Bananas, and yeah. And just that's just a challenge. Yeah. CT's statistic was something... It was Darrell like, who had the better statistic. Well, CT's was any season that he hadn't been kicked off, had, he had won. He had gone to the finals. Uh, nice. But Darrell, Darrell before last season, Darrell is now uh, five for seven for wins versus seasons on. Nice. Yeah. But, and and he's older, too. He's one of the older generations. Yeah. He's CT, Johnny Bananas, he's Brad. one of the OGs. But that's the challenge. We talked a lot about it. We're not going to get you caught up. you got to watch it. Right. There's, uh, I think, more reality TV to talk about while we're there, though. I think Chris was watching something that's technically reality TV. I was watching a trio of reality things. They're all Netflix originals that I can just go through really quickly. Um, the first one I'm in the middle of, and I've mentioned it before, is Guilty Pleasure. I've been watching Terrace House. Um, there was a new season that was released at the end of last year. Um, this one is... Uh, <clears throat> It's called Opening New Doors, um, but it's the uh, six, uh, three women, three men, Japanese people live in a house. All they provide is cars and a house, and that's it. There's no script. Um, they can work. They can not work. They can fall in love. They don't have challenges or anything. It's cute. It's something I put on in the background. I'm really irritated by this season because there's like one kid who's 19, like a model and university student who's 20, and then... Like, a 24-year-old, a 26-year-old, a 31-year-old. Like, but this 19-year-old kid, they pick on endlessly. Like, talk shit behind his back, which is, like, not something I've seen in any other season. But it's this kid who's, like, he dropped out of culinary school because he was living in Tokyo by himself. And wanted to be able to be independent from his parents. Signed up for Terrace House and figured that 
he would work at he 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 works at uh, Italian restaurants in Japan. So he's like trying to find like an Italian restaurant to work at, and everyone is just on his ass all the time about like, well, what is it? Do you want to be a chef or do you want to work? And he's like, that's that's my inner struggle. That's the thing that I'm like tormented by because it doesn't seem like you can do both because you can't support yourself and go to these top tier culinary schools right. without burning out because you have to work in a kitchen. So if I can get the experience, get the money, and then go to culinary school, that's what I want to do. And then they'll just be like, well, then you're not taking being a chef seriously or else you'd be in school. And it's like, you, they're not fucking listening to him and it's irritating because he's just, he's a sweet kid and he's like super, uh, you know, the, the concept of kawaii. He's like super cute. He's into anime. He's got like panda bears like on his bed because they, he wants to be surrounded by beautiful things. Like, you know, real corny shit because right. he's immature. But, like, you know, his dad doesn't talk to him anymore because he left the house to be a chef, and that's not, like, a great profession. Um, but the girl who he's trying to go on dates with is, like, talk shit to his face when they're out on dates. And it's like, how excited are you? They'll, like, go to lunch, and she'll be like, he'll be like, how excited are you to go on this date at this athletic course because she didn't want to go shopping or didn't want to go do whatever and told him she wanted to do something athletic. So, of course, he planned out this date. And she's like, how, how excited am I to go? A one out of ten. And he's like, well... Like, would have been like, no. And he's like, well, it's supposed to... take right. someone else on a date then. Yeah, and, and it's like a Prodigy Adventure course. But like, and he's like, well, how excited are you to see it? Like, it sounds like it's pretty cool. She goes, to see it, maybe a three out of ten. And I agree with you. He should be like, well, fuck that. And so he, he'll ask her like, oh, so do you still want to go to the athletic course? And she'll go, yeah. It's like, well, why the fuck did you say yes? Like, <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the like, U.S. real world, like, intro mantra... That when people stop being polite and start being real, like maybe they're just being too fucking polite, and maybe that's a cultural thing that I don't understand. But yeah. I'm also curious to know about the culture of, of chefs over there. Yeah. From what you're telling me, it sounds like they, it's a lot. It's a lot different from what it would be over here. It is. I, I, it's. It's. I mean, I think it's it's kind of similar, and we've seen the storylines from time to time on Top Chef, where it'll be like. Um, like, do you remember Mai from a couple seasons ago? She was, she was Chinese, and she talked about how, like, her parents wanted her to, not to sound, like, cliche and, like, racist, but her parents wanted her to be a doctor. Yeah, or, yeah. And she was like, but I wanted to be a chef, and I haven't seen my parents in eight years. And so, like, she went to the finals, and, like, her parents came, and it was, like, a big moment, because anytime they had to cook, like, a personal dish, she, she would cook Chinese food, like, traditional Chinese food from her province, and be like, I just want my parents to be proud of me. And it's, so that's like, that's the thing that this like 19 year old kid is dealing with and they're just like dogging on him all yeah. the time. That sucks. Yeah. But to so Terrace House, it's a guilty pleasure. Um, but I also watched, uh, another thing that was kind of infuriating, I watched a documentary series called Flint Town. Oh. You just no like making yourself hurt. About it. Yeah, well, I know of it and a little bit about it. I haven't watched anything about it, but because I like my tears inside my body. <laughs> Well, it's about, (laughs) (laughs) it's a documentary team that embedded themselves uh, in the police force in Flint, Michigan, right around the time that the uh, water crisis, the lead poisoning crisis, uh, the story broke. Allegedly happened. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Making a frog's game. But, (laughs) it's, uh, it's weird. It is... I think you'd like it, TJ, especially you, um, of the two of you. 
I haven't seen something that has made me question if the filmmakers have a directive in it or not. It feels very open from bias. That's nice. Which is because they they follow like a few cops, um, and the story kind of kicks off when there's a, the mayoral election um, <clears throat> in I think it's a special election in like twenty. I guess it would be 2015, yeah. 2016. I, I forget exactly when. Um, and a new mayor comes in and replaces the police chief. And the new police chief is like, I'm going to shake things up because, you know, these are bad crime stats. Right. You know, there are four patrol cars on the road on any given night for a town of 100,000 people. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, and so it kind of follows this, like, you know, it'll be like these, like, people who've been living in the community who are cops who are you know, black and white who are like, Flint is a troubled place, people just want help, sometimes they just want people to talk to, and then like, a couple of these people who are like, you know, I'm former military, I moved to Flint to join the police force because someone told me that's where the action is. Like, so it's, and like, you know, they cover like the the presidential election where, you know, there's a racial divide in how people vote, but it's like, it's not, it lets the cops kind of speak for themselves and doesn't really apologize on either side for it, which is kind of refreshing. Uh, the worst thing about it, though, is just how fucking hopeless it feels. Yeah. I mean, place is fucking the desert of happiness. Yeah. Or desert without happiness. Yeah. It's, it's horrible out there, man. I mean, one of the cops says, uh, basically... The residents just found out they can't drink the water without dying. Why would they ever trust anyone in the government to help them? Very good question. And it's like, <laughs> and, it's, and the toughest thing is like, I watched the show and like later, I, like when I was finished with it, it's like 10 episodes and it goes by really fast. Um, like I looked up what's happening. Nothing. Yeah. There's criminal investigations, but nothing is actually happening. And that's why I'll never watch that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like if somebody just went into a, like a ghost town that still had a power grid. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, it's, it's wild west up there, man. It's weird. And then the last documentary type thing that I watched is uh, a show called Ugly Delicious. It is a yeah. cooking show uh, uh, starring David Chang. Oh, not Bobby Lee. Not Bobby Lee, nope. That'll probably get get the axe. Um, but it's starring David Chang. He's a Michelin star uh, chef. Uh, runs chain of restaurants called Momofuku um, in New York. They're like noodle houses. <clears throat> uh, and it's really cool. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching it. They kind of each episode tackle a new subject. But I really like uh, the show. It's... Each episode, they'll deal with a different kind of loose topic. So, like, the first episode is about pizza. So, they go to this new pizza restaurant in New York that's gotten... It's been called, like, the best pizza restaurant in the world. And it's David Chang. It's his buddy who's uh, who helped him write his uh, cookbook, the Momofuku cookbook, and uh, the owner of this restaurant. And they'll sit down, and, like, he just starts with, like, a really broad question. And he starts by saying... What is pizza? And it's like, do you consider if it doesn't have marinara on it pizza? Do you consider if it doesn't have cheese on it pizza? 
like whatever. And like, of course, the guy from the restaurant is like, I just do it traditional. You know, it's, you know, I think of a margarita or I think of, you know, like a really 80% simple, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then like, he'll take that and he'll be like, so, so do you think that pizza has to be like, do you think Brooklyn style pizza is the best? Like, what do you think about Chicago pie? And then like, he'll go to Chicago and interview people there. And like, it all kind of flows naturally between those. And like, he ends up in like Naples asking the guy who started the foundation that certifies restaurants who are allowed to make Neapolitan pizza. Uh-huh. Because Neapolitan pizza has to be made a very particular way with certain ingredients. And then he'll ask the guy, he'll be like, so the reason why you started doing this is because you wanted fresh local ingredients. Why can't anyone use fresh local ingredients and it still be Neapolitan? It's the same like reason why right. it's Neapolitan. Like, no, it just doesn't, that's just not how it works. And then he goes to Tokyo and he eats like, you know, all fresh, all local ingredients. And he's like, see, I don't understand. And he's with Aziz Ansari and they eat this like crazy pizza. And it's like, I can see why people would have a hard time considering this pizza, but it absolutely is. And like, you know, there's no mission statement for the episode except for the, the whole phraseology, ugly, delicious is that food doesn't have to look good and be the way that it is quote unquote supposed to be for it to be good. Yeah, I always look at pizza like I would look at, like, hamburger. Yeah. Like, if it's, you know, ground black beans and avocados, like, it doesn't have to have ketchup and mayonnaise and lettuce and pickles on it, you know what I mean? Right, and I'm also not going to get pretentious and be like, you know, oh, you called that a vegetarian hamburger, do you just mean a vegetarian burger? It's like, it doesn't... Yeah, hamburger is not, it's a thing. It's yeah. Not a, it's not beef. Yeah, and so, like, I really like the episode, TJ, I was telling you about it earlier... He asked the question to people in New Orleans, why do you do shrimp, why do you do crawfish boils? You guys are all chefs, you know that you would have better flavor out of it, out of the crawfish, if you steamed them. Why don't you steam them? You understand these concepts. And their answer is, that's just how we've always done it. Right. And so then he goes to Houston, and he goes, how do you guys do it? They're like, well, we do crawfish boils, but we've got a Vietnamese population, so we steam them. And he's like, okay, and then goes back to New Orleans. Like, so they're doing it up in Houston like that. You've got more Vietnamese people here than they do. Right. Like, like yeah. why is there this, this barrier? And if it's tradition, then fuck tradition. It's because Noah's stuck up their ass when it comes to food. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. But they are fucking particular. But yeah, so Ugly Delicious is of the three shows that I have been consuming this week. It's the one that I would blindly recommend to anyone. It's not really if a If you're not show. hungry. If you're not hungry, I definitely made some bad decisions. Someone told me about some show where he made some guy in New York eat like all the big pizza chains. <laughs> he did make make him try like little Caesars or something weird. He did make the guy because 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 Chang goes he he's like so I want to be honest with you talking to the pizza owner and be like I think he's a New York Times food critic uh, uh, who's his buddy. He did tell him he's like so I got to be honest with you I'm a chef but I still order Domino's about twice a month. Yeah. He's like, I think it's good because it's what I had growing up. That was my first definition of pizza. Sure, yeah. I mean, and so he makes I don't always want an all beef hot dog. We were talking about this a few days ago. Yeah. Like sometimes I want a shitty fucking pork beef or chicken hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it says on the package. Or like, that's also why, like, you know, my mom's a vegetarian. It's also why, like, you know, some of the best corn dogs, I think, are, you know, the ones that I have in, like, a freezer pack that are non meat that I can just jam in the microwave for two minutes. And they come out and like that to me is what a corn dog tastes like. Right. 
Not like, you know, when we would go to Palookaville and you could get something that's like a whole beef sausage, a whole... Like just a big, waffle batter. Jumbo yeah. hot dog. Like, yeah, like that's like, yeah, it's a corn dog, but that's also stunt food. Right. Like, but for like regular food-ass food, like it's the veggie corn dog is a corn dog to me. <laughs> ass food. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about corn dogs. Most of them are ass food. True. But yeah, so... Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Sounds fun. It's, it is a perfect background watch. Nice. Um... And he's got, I think he's just a hot celebrity chef, but less on the celebrity side, and just more that, like, he lives the life of a celebrity, not, like, what we call celebrity chefs. So, like, you know, Gillian Jacobs is in an episode, and Aziz Ansari, and he's, you know, he he must have run into Aziz and Eric Wareheim uh, when, he, when Chang was in Italy, really? because Eric Wareheim definitely directs the first like five minutes of the fried chicken episode nice because it is in the Tim and Eric style um but uh, bringing up Gillian Jacobs yep I'm trying to get better at these segues yeah you should have said her last you almost had it I know uh but all three of us have watched every minute that will ever air now the season finale and series finale for the third season of love yeah it's an adorable show yeah do you still love love yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the weakest season, and I mean, I still love it. But also, it's got some of my favorite episodes. I thought the Chris and Bernie episodes were fantastic. I, I, love I really root for someone to cheat on somebody, but I was totally rooting for her to cheat on her her boyfriend. Yeah, me and Chris had mentioned that earlier. That like it was nice that she was just like, "Sorry, dude. Like, if you're gonna deal with it a fucked up way, you're just gonna deal with it a fucked up way." It's like, guy's a sweetheart. It's just an ass. Like, not an yeah. asshole. Right, an ass. He's a dumbass. He's a child. He's a dumbass. Yeah. And he did bring the whole show together, though, I thought, in the third season with the, like, they're crazy getting married, and he was just like, she's crazy, Gus is crazy, we're all crazy. Yeah. Just like, yeah, this is just... And you realize, I think, in the third season more than ever that, in no way, and then you realize it as Gus realizes it about himself, that he's just as fucked up as she is. Yeah. Which was a fun, fun thing. And you see that in the in the speech he gives to his parents and his family. Mm-hmm. That's when it like culminates. Yeah, mm-hmm. you. I mean, because we we kind of let uh, let events go by in a lot of shows, but like, and like you understand, like if Chandler and Monica haven't talked about this thing that was a big plot point last episode, but it doesn't come up this episode, it's probably never coming up again. Maybe they talked about it. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. But like. When he starts giving the laundry list of things that he lied to Mickey about, or didn't tell her about, that is like seasons ago that happened, it's like, oh wow, this is existing in real time, in like the seven, eight months, whatever that they're together, that like, if you don't see uh, Paul Russ' character, if you don't see him Gus Gus. If you don't see Gus telling Mickey something, he didn't tell like... So when the show ends and she hasn't told Gus about Dustin, that hasn't happened yet. Like, and it's a, it's an icky thing to like leave without like knowing how it's resolved. But it's not. I mean, that's that's talking about like the, like the theses of shows. But that's the whole point: is that it's, love is dirty kinda, and it's different. I kind of took that Dustin thing as is her being her. I mean, I think she. Was brutally honest, like to a fault, that character. Yeah, and I really think she didn't think they were exclusive, and honestly didn't think much of it. And when she was like, "Don't tell him," it was kind of for his own sake, because she knew he's a basket case. 
Yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna freak out about it and blame it on her, you know sobriety. SL addiction or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And I kinda think he figured that out. Not that she cheated on him, but like if she did, why the fuck would she ever tell me I'm a psycho? Right. So kinda like start here, move on. And it didn't need to wrap up. I don't know. It was it was interesting. And hilarious. The season is still fucking comedy gold. I mean, some of the shit on the episode when they go to the shitty rental house, it's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they technically have to be mammals to be vermin. Yeah. <laughs> Just asleep. I, my favorite part... Him fucking with the Bluetooth speaker and the porn. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Uh, um, one day I was laid in bed and I played Jeopardy on my iPhone and Cassandra was in the shower. And the sound on Jeopardy wasn't working. <laughs> and I heard it go, like, in the shower, like, real loud. Like, my morning jacket stopped. And it was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm playing Jeopardy. <laughs> it could have been awful. My, I think my, my favorite thing, other than, like, you know, getting heady and talking about what it did and where it went with, like, the plot and the story. I love Chris. Chris has the best face of any of the characters in that show, yeah. like when they would go, when they went to the uh, like to the wrestling match, and she's telling him like really mundane things about why she moved from Australia, and he's just fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, oh, oh really? And she gets fascinated about fucking dumbass wrestling. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, I love I loved his short little story arc of like the whole stunt thing was super fun. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go be Waterworld stunt show. He's yeah. like so fucking pumped. Yeah. <laughs> when, his, when his stunt instructor, like it's the, the stunt coach, is talking about it, he's like, well, I know something at Waterworld. Do you know anything about it? He's like, yeah, only that it's the greatest stunt live <laughs> show in the world. <laughs> yeah. But even like the hardship with him was good. Like when, who was the, who's Bernie's ex? What was his name? Randy. Randy. Yeah. Randy was Randy. Like, Randy was like, what the fuck, really? And he was just like, hey man, you want to like, take a walk? Yeah. It was just like, oh. Yeah. I just love normal people. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think you realize that him and Birdie are like the only normal people on that show. Yeah. Like, Birdie's quirk is that she leaves half full yogurts in the fridge. It's like, but all y'all are fucking insane. Yeah. So, that seems normal. Yeah. Well, well I, I don't know if they're normal. I would say Birdie's very... She's not very assertive. Because she does let people kind of walk all over her. Yeah, I just think that's more... Well, yeah, I don't want to say normal because that makes addiction sound abnormal. Right. But less interesting abnormalities, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 more, I don't want to say relatable either. Right. <laughs> Hard, harder to depict than than um, an addiction story yeah, or I mean, something like Gus where he goes in and he throws a laptop on the ground. Right, and that's, that's the whole show, right, is that Mickey's character is so easy from episode one to be like, mm-hmm. don't want to touch that. And then you slowly start realizing, like, oh, all these people are fucking. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Gus's neuroses are just not to diminish the like actual like addiction, but like Gus's like neuroses. It's kind of like the Good Place, how they have uh, um, uh, Chidi. Chidi, how like Chidi's the one person who's like he's in in the show, and his conflict is that like, oh, it's just as bad being a bad person as being someone who's complicit with bad things because you can't make the right choice. You are unable to make the right choice. Right. So, which is Birdie's flaw is that she can't, she just can't emotionally handle other people 
having breakdowns based on her decisions. But she can, and she can sever that too. Yeah, that's that's like just nice. The start of her resolution this season is when she tells Randy and everyone off in the rental house, uh, right. in the vacation house, when she just basically does the like "fuck you, fuck you, fuck you," like I just need to be alone. I did love. It was maybe three or four episodes from the end when his band's got the show finally, <laughs> and Mickey steals the cigarettes from the counter, and Gus uh, is like. Take a walk, top button. <laughs> and then, like, you were like, oh no, she's going to get mad or he's going to, like, dwell on this. Yeah. And he turns around, she was like, I took a cigarette. She was like, I figured. <laughs> he just walks off. Yeah. It's like, yay, they're crazy together. Yeah, Gus has finally learned to let go of some shit. Yeah, I giggled real hard at take a walk, top button. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this season's really good. I agree. It's I don't like it as much as season one, season two, but it didn't maybe make me feel as icky as season one, season two. I liked it more. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and they put a nice bow on it, which I'm just a fan of. Yeah, shows. I don't need like lost type endings. We had a thing at ten episodes because we never look at episode length because that kind of like lets you know when resolution is coming. Right. At ten episodes, it kind of ends on this up note, and we're like, no, this is way too happy for it to end. And then the twelfth episode happens, it's like, oh fuck! All right, yeah. they really sprung on the fences and said like people can have it happily ever after, like regardless of like people can figure their shit out, which yeah. is. Which is most people's story in actual, like, real life. But for a TV show, that hardly seems like the story that they try to depict. Right. So it was refreshing to see, kind of, as caricature-esque as some of the people on it are, that it's it took a normal resolution. And I definitely think it was a good place to end it. I, it would have been... I don't know how they would have done a fourth season. Yeah, the only way they can do a fourth season is if if they break up, right? Like, or or if they do it like you know two years later, Mickey's pregnant. Like, yeah, I mean the show doesn't need to run forever. It's is a great show in its vacuum of shows that it would fit in. You yeah, know I mean I'm not going to compare it to The Wire or anything, but it's super fun. Yeah, um, that wrap up TV. I think it does. I think so, unless. Kelly, you've seen anything spectacular that you finished or just watched the first episode of and you're interested in, because those are our rules. I don't want to hear any <laughs> um, mid-series ER talk. Uh, that's a, such a loaded question, because I've finished a lot of things recently. I just finished Freaks and Geeks. I don't know if y'all watched that recently. Uh, I feel like that's a show that's very easy to forget a lot of details, because it was my second watch. You should have hit a... A, a transition with that. We went from Apatow to Apatow. Yeah, double Apatow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the show's great, though. I'm yeah. so sad it got canceled 20 years ago still. Yeah. Every Judd Apatow show got canceled too early. Undeclared got canceled Undeclared too early. Freaks and Geeks yeah. got canceled too early. Love got to go, go its three seasons. Who's your favorite freak? Martin Starr. He's a geek. Oh. Freak. Oh, freak? It's hard. The only way to know who's a freak and who's a geek is to be like, well, they're definitely geeks. Okay. <laughs> so everybody else is a freak. Okay. Well, he's my favorite geek then. Yeah. Yeah, Martin he's great. great. I really like Sam Weir. He's my favorite geek. I'd probably go with Barnstar. They're all really good, though. That whole trio is good. I have, I'm have. i tied between um, Nick and Dopolis, so Jason Siegel's character, and Kim Kelly. Because uh, Kim yeah. Kelly is really uh, yeah. complicated. Busy Phillips? Yeah. I think yeah. that's her name. B- Busy? I think it's busy. Busy Phillips. But, but yeah, Nick, Nick is such a. I love Nick. I just like Jason Siegel. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I kind of hate Linda Cardellini's character. 
She's I, the, like, she has her moments. Yeah, she's the launch pad too for everything. Think, like it I, doesn't work without her. Yeah, well, she's she's the bridge between right. the freaks and the geeks to make it an and. I also relate way too much to her because that was kind of my story in high school was really nerdy yeah, academic, yep. and then it's kind of moving on to a different crowd, and it, yeah, that story is hard to relate to. Yeah, for most people. So for me, it was too real. Um, but the music's really good. It is really good. Uh, we all, all three of us, saw a pair of movies. We did. Past week. We should talk about those two movies. We should. Uh, what do you want to start with? Yeah, so we saw a couple of movies. Uh, we'll talk about them. All three of us saw them. One is the newest Steven Soderbergh film, which is hilarious. Have y'all both seen uh, Logan Lucky? Yes. Yes. That, that was his last. It's <laughs> <This is> like <laughs> an abrupt change. Yeah. Uh, but we saw Unsane. Movie starring Claire Foy and fuck me, Jay Farah. Yeah, is the other one. And Juno Temple's in it. Juno Temple. I don't know who the bad guy's name is, but he's neither. He, he, he was plays, bad. He plays David. Yeah, it's a movie shot 100 with iPhones. I think that aspect of the movie really worked well. Yeah, it um, did. It gave it a nice like 70s flair. It made it look crazy. Yeah, made her look crazier. Um, and we said all that. It's a hard watch. I was very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, hard. If you're comfortable, it's bad. Yeah, true. It's a hard watch, not because it's bad, because I don't think it's bad. I think this is a like a solid four out of five. I gave it four stars. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It's it's uncomfortable because the subject matter is mental illness and stalking and like body horror and like corruption in mental illness and insurance scams. And it's just, and we're going to talk spoilers with Unsane because it's hard to yeah, I was gonna say, without it. But the spoilers do spoil the film, so uh, it's timestamp. Fast forward a few minutes. Yeah. If you think you might want to see it. And I do recommend that you see it. Yeah. It was good. But uh, yeah, the great part is that all that shit pays off. Yes. And her, her sanity is still in question. Right. And you can have both things. Oh, that was really smart. It's like, what's it going to be? Both, both yeah, things. I love that. Yeah, she is. She is both uh, kind of traumatized and hallucinating that her stalker is real and is like omnipresent, and also uh, people should have believed her that her stalker is actually still stalking her because he fucking is. Right, and that's the horrifying part of it is just like the ends at which this person will go to pursue this woman. Uh, and just destroy her psychologically, emotionally, and like almost physically. Right. And, and then you, you know, the the climax really for me is after she slits his fucking throat. Yeah. Uh, she sees him again. Yeah. She sees him. And again. it's like, well, maybe she shouldn't have been trusted. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I see where people were coming from. I have a I have a hard time. Early on in the movie, she goes on a Tinder date. Um, and she goes out with this guy, and we only find out later that she's been doing this, where she's been kind of uh, supplanting people's faces with the face of her stalker and thinking that it's like, you know, surprise, it's her stalker there. But she takes, she goes on a Tinder date, and it's already like not the typical date from the jump. Like she tells this guy, she levels with him, goes, Look, you're going to get what you want, we're going to have sex. Right. Just. Like and then she like kind of just lays some ground rules. We're never gonna see each other again. We're never gonna never see each other again. Never contact me again. Never contact me again. Yeah. And then they go back to her house and it's like kind of like this palatial apartment. 
and they start making out right by the console table in the foyer, and she throws herself on the ground in this like really dramatic way. And at the time, you're like, whoa, she's got problems. Right. But then thinking back on it, it's like, oh, well, she probably had like this, you know, this flashback, saw the face of her stalker. Right. But then every other time that happens in the movie, it actually shows the face of her stalker, but it didn't then. Yeah, when, I, when that first, when that happened in the movie, I thought maybe she was, uh, the term for it, the women that like want to be like fake raped. Oh, yep. I thought maybe that's what she was doing and wanted like him to pursue her as like her king he, she slapped him yeah and then she like threw herself on the ground he was like I thought that's what you wanted and he left and she found that if Claire Foy was acting very well it seemed like she was like well like yeah. he didn't didn't want to do it this time yeah yeah he didn't she just went and got in the shower whatever yeah and she did act very well. Yeah. I will I will say her American accent is, is iffy. It needs a mark. Yep. Throughout the movie. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's just I got my papers. Yeah. Yeah, it felt kind of robotic. <laughs> it's not even that she's been like acting in like British movies, but she's been acting as Queen Elizabeth yeah, as II. As a British person. Yeah, yeah, as like the most stately British accent you could possibly fucking imagine. So yeah, the same goes for Jay Farrow. The acting was his average. It felt times. like Jay Farrow doing an impression of like you know a guy who's in a mental institution. But he was because well, he was a reporter. Yeah, that's he, true. He was and he wasn't because he never like was like oh yeah I'm crazy I'm Jay Farrow I'm crazy. He was like he played the like yeah this is stupid people get locked up here for no reason like he was he was straight with her but you believe this is a crazy guy or I hate I hate continuing to yeah, say crazy. Fine. But he is, you think that he is someone who is committed for a good reason. And maybe his delusion is that he's like, this person on the inside, he shouldn't have been there. Like every prisoner says, you know, I got locked up, I'm innocent. Every person who's, not every person, but lots of people who are committed say like, oh, they've got me here against my will, but it's like voluntary. But, but he admits he was self, that he had an opioid problem and he self-checked in. That's a cover. Right. But in yeah. retrospect, he is... Trying to emulate someone that was not crazy. Yes. But I'm saying, yes. Yes. I, I, I hear, I, I agree. But I also, I think that it is a clever play because I don't think his acting was superb. But I understand that if for the role there is a gray area that's built in because the acting isn't great, then maybe you should have picked another actor. Fair. Yeah. Like, if you have a British actress who's in a movie, and, like, if her thing was she, like, I'm convinced I'm American, and everyone's like, your papers say you're British, and then she speaks with a bad American accent, it's like, okay, well, that's sloppy. But, yeah, sure. But I thought, I still thought he was good. You yeah, know, yeah. Juno Temple plays a batshit crazy person, like, super well. Um, yeah. That movie is super creative. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just a really fun idea. Fun. Right. Airplanes. Yeah, it's a really stressful movie to watch. Yeah, I mean, you get some like full-on misery violence at the end there. Yeah, with the and it's not that gory, but it's still the implied violence is so gut wrenching. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I looked away in that instant, but I don't even think you see hammerhead ankle. You don't. I had to ask Kelly. I looked away. I'm not. Well, yeah, I don't want to know. Somebody can tell me. I know what what they can do with Hollywood effects, and I know that it's a movie, but I still don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, they you, did it you in '92 with Misery, and it was rough. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's still no, like on lists of like the yeah. most terrifying scenes. Yeah, his foot goes dangly. Yeah, never good. James Caan. James Caan. Um, James Caan. 
But yeah. All right. But speaking of David, real quick, on the challenge when the girl broke her finger. Did y'all, did y'all, did y'all see it? That was some poor no. shit. No, no. I know. I mean, no. It was like pointing to the left. We, we mustn't have gotten a good shot because we thought it was bullshit. I, I paused it. Her, her finger was pointing to the left. Okay. okay. They popped it back in. Okay. We, we just know her. It was just one of those breaks where you can just go boop. Yeah. And it was straight. Like a dislocation. Yeah. yeah. That's Veronica. She's we just, I don't I don't like her. So. Yeah. I'm a little biased because I think she's a, a prima donna. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so we saw Unsane. Like everyone on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Unsane was good. I wouldn't recommend it to people. Uh yeah, I'd recommend it to like cinephiles. Really. Yes, if you really Steven Soderbergh is a for like for if y'all don't know a lot of what he does, he's one of those guys who'll do fucking anything. Mm-hmm. He's a student of film. He's the guy who released it was like oh, you should really watch Raiders of the Lost Ark with just the score, like see how good the score is. Like he's a weirdo, kind of yeah. like Brent and the way he'll like. I want to see every movie starting with A. Right, and like his wife, we're pretty sure wrote Lucky Lucky. Okay. Which is why he wanted to direct it. Um, and she didn't want it to look like her film got made by her husband. So she was like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to put a ghost name on it. But uh, he'll do shit like that. And he'll be like, I'm going to make a movie with Channing Tatum. Like he doesn't. He's the guy who directed He directed the Oceans films. Yeah. So he's got uh, Out of Sight is one of his really good sketches. Jeff Lopez and George Clooney. Yeah. But he's a really good director who like will never get nominated for anything just because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But... So see it if you're a, f- a fan of film and not movies. But yeah, it's, it's a rough fucking watch, man. And if you if you got a weak stomach or a weak, you know, thought process on a lot of that uh, institutional stuff, it's it's rough. Yeah, it's yeah. We've been playing fast and loose with words like crazy and deserve to, whatever. Like we are fully aware that there are people who are sensitive to that, and we apologize if we yes. misuse those words. But like. You know, it's it's shorthand that is used in the movie that, you know, we're just... And she uses it herself. Parodying. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... And then I think we saw a movie that was on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I think it was... It is the... Uh, it was the, the orange to the blue of uh, Unsane. It's... Uh, we saw Wes Anderson's new outing. Uh, Isle of Dogs. Um... And it is the most Wes Anderson movie that I have seen uh, in a long time, including the last few Wes Anderson movies. It's way more Wes Anderson than Darjeeling. It's way more than uh, the last one, Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest. Yeah. yeah. This is like I don't know, Darjeeling's pretty damn Wes Anderson. This is like, but see, to me, this this was like uh, Rushmore level of Wes Anderson. They're like. You know, when Jason Schwartzman and Rushmore was going, I was a member of the debate team. And then it would show, like, him debating for, like, right. three seconds. And then he'd go, like, and the chess club. And it's him knocking over someone's king going, checkmate. And, like, you know, that, like, over-the-top kind of, like, here's an illustrative example of this world that we've built. And that is in the stop-motion style that they've done it is the only thing that you can do. Right. It's just be illustrative. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved it. I'm a, a huge Wes Anderson fan. And not in the way that I think all his movies are great. They're just fucking delightful. Yeah. Like, Life Aquatics, probably my favorite. I'm a huge fan of Darjeeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the music choices he always makes. Um, they're just really hard to hate his movies, I feel like. In small doses, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I he get... makes one every four years, so it right. works. I don't think I could ever go to like a Wes Anderson film festival. 
I watch like three in a row. I don't think I don't think I can watch two in a row. Well, if it's like if it's Darjeeling and Isle of Dogs, you're like Fantastic Mr. Fox and Life Aquatic. Or right. Something. Yeah. Um, but no, it's really good. It, it's uh, I'm holding true that it is the first Oscar nominee I've seen for next year. It'll get nominated animated. Black Black Panther. It's gonna get something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just hard with Marvel. Yeah. It. I would be amazed if it didn't get something. But think about what I mean, Wonder Woman did. Yeah, Wonder Woman had the best odds to get nominated for a non-tech award, and it whiffed. But didn't it get nominated? It, no, Logan got nominated. Lo- Logan's the big superhero winner. No, Wonder Woman definitely was nominated for something. Nope, zero nominations. Okay, well, y'all are the experts. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be questioning you. Um, but, uh, but but even music alone. Oh, it's it's an Alexander Desplat um, outing as, as as score. Oh, sorry, I meant Black Panther. Oh. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, the yeah, soundtrack. It could get an original song. That's yeah, true. it could get it could. I mean, it could get score. But just, those categories are yeah. You never, you also never know with Academy rules. Like if Kendrick reused a beat he used on something else, that's true. This whole score could get thrown out, which is right. Whatever, right? Um, but I, for I Love Dogs, it's Alexander Desplat, who's a well-known name for the first just score. Just won an Oscar. Yeah, um, you know, it had awesome Japanese drums the whole time, like yeah, traditional drums. Uh, it's, it's a really good job. The comedy is very Wes Anderson, but it's real funny. Yeah, right? it's, it's dogs doing things that dogs do, which is hilarious. If you're a yeah. dog owner, I think you'll find it funnier because the dogs do all just the. It's all the dogs like looking at the same place at the same time. It's like, Definitely. That's what happens. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's a it's a good mix between like the Disneyification of animals, where they're just completely anthropomorphized and they are human beings, but they just are reskinned as animals, and like true traits of the animal, like yeah. And I think it was a fun choice too to uh, only understand dogs in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, any, any, well, and, and English, but like the Japanese yeah. wasn't translated into English for people. Yeah, all you, all you do is you hear humans talk in their native language, nothing's translated for you. Yeah. And then the dogs aren't translated. Yeah. Uh, the vocal acting was great. Yeah. I mean, the voice cast is unreal. I was really impressed with Brian Cranston, and I was kind of eye rolly when I figured he was voicing the lead. Not Nothing against it, it's just, you know. It's hard to not hear Walter White when Brian Cranston takes a serious tone. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a, like a, a Walter White esque role too, uh, playing chief. But yeah, he's kind of the, the antihero in the first act. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a movie that is four chapters long, so it's hard to see first act. Right, but I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. I was, you know, it's the the main the group of dogs is all your. Wes Anderson standbys plus Leave Schreiber. It's Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Ed Norton, and then Leave Schreiber, sh- sure. Right. And then Brian Cranston. Uh, and who is Leave Schreiber? He was the the red dog. The red dog. Duke. Mm. He's the dog with the mustache. Yeah. The one that was the the sponsor for the dog food. Yes. He, he was the sponsor for the dog biscuits. I thought because there was a dog biscuit sponsor and there was a dog food sponsor, and then boss Bill Murray. Was the baseball team's mascot? <laughs> that was Dugan. No, no, that was the the dragons. Was dragons? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. okay. He was the one who stole the sport tag. I'll be this forever. I stole it off the dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's, it's voiced really well. The story's fun and up, and it's just it's a delightful movie. I think you said delightful at the beginning, and that's just so true. 
Am I the only person, and I probably am, that thinks that Ed Norton in a Wes Anderson film is doing an Owen Wilson impression? <laughs> well, he did that SNL skit. It was fan-fucking-tastic. I, I can't unhear it now. Anytime I hear yeah. Ed, Ed Norton do a voiceover yeah, when I can't see him talking. Yeah, got a mask on. That's scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anytime he did any scene, I, I heard him doing an impression of Owen Wilson. Yeah, no Owen Wilson. That's interesting. Yes? Yeah, Ed Norton. Yeah. I guess there's no Owen Wilson in the Moonrise Kingdom either. I think he, he was in. There, ooh, he was in Moonrise. Well, not even for a little bit. I thought he was like one of like the extra camp people or like the other camps. Yeah, that was <laughs> Alan Arkin and Ed Norton, right? Ed, Ed Norton is the main camp leader in Moonrise Kingdom. I always forget about that movie. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Schwartzman wasn't a voice in this movie. Schwartzman was one of the writers. Right. Um, yeah, Has he I, been involved in every Wes Anderson? I don't think anybody's been involved in everyone. Schwartzman is not in Life Aquatic. But Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson were the basically the only two people in Bottle Rocket. Wes Anderson's first. Luke and Wes were roommates at UT Austin. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that you would you rule out a lot of possibilities if you go back to Bottle Rocket. You like narrow the field and then start asking the question from there. I, it's probably someone who he co-writes with. Who's or like who? It's the yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you find Wes Anderson's movies a little bit irritating because of like them being cutesy or twee, symmetric. Yeah, like you you won't love this movie. But if you do like Wes Anderson movies even a little bit, it's just so pleasant. Yeah, maybe it's because we saw Unsane the same week. Yeah, I mean, if you like Wes Anderson, you're gonna fucking love it. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't particularly like Wes Anderson. I, I haven't seen nearly as much as you guys. I liked it because it had dogs in it. And um, can, <laughs> us, can us I give a spoiler do. alert? Is that something you do? We're gonna timestamp. So if people want to skip a movie talk, then they can skip the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, no dogs die, so right. You you will still tear up. Um, but I would say that made me like the movie so much more. And I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yeah. So I think that's a big pull for people yeah. that if you don't like puppies. If you like, because and that's I don't necessarily care about Wes Anderson, but I like movies with puppies in them. Also, dogs dying is an understandable spoiler. There's a like, there's website. a million dollar website. Dog website. Dog yeah, does the dog die? Dot com. Yep. And they, they I use, use it often. Yeah. Uh, I have not watched movies because of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, is there anything anyone else wants to talk about? We got to wrap up now. We're about to watch Five Stripes, uh, <laughs> and we're just uh, trying to. <laughs> We're also uh, probably what like an hour ten, hour six, nice. and we got some some good edit points. Cool, but we're trying to wrap up here. So if there's any parting shots, I think we'll probably skip breezy light light news week. Just a bunch of rumor monitoring yeah. about Star Wars movies. Next week we'll have breezy for breezy. Yeah, we'll have breezy for breezy. Uh, we'll see how regular we get. Uh, sorry if this is super echoey. We're at my kitchen table, um, but bring it up. Sure. But uh, this has been Talkie Talk, podcast the media by MediaBias.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We've got three groups there, TV Bias, Games by Us, and Movies by Us. Uh, send an email to MediaBias at gmail.com. Uh, TJ or I are going to be editing this, so we're not going to have music intros and outros. Maybe. Depends on how intrepid one of us decided to get. But in the meantime, we're still going to... Be able to personally thank the Will Walkers, or at least one person. Thank you, Will Walker. You're welcome. Yeah, a, lot, a lot, thank you. 
Uh, and we always love to throw some love on uh, Burifa, who normally does our outro. Um, but yeah, follow us, rate us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks Bye. for having me, guys. Thanks yeah. for coming. Yeah, you were you were fine and dandy. <laughs>